Thank you for tuning in to a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this will lift your heart and encourage you, set your eyes more fully on Jesus as we open God's word together. You can join us anytime in person or online in our live stream. You can find that at redemptionhilldc.org. If you're not in D.C., we encourage you to get involved in a local church where you live for the sake of encouragement and accountability in a local body, but we're also glad to have you join us and, and walk through this study with us. If you'd like to support the ministries of Redemption Hill, you can do so at our website, again, redemptionhilldc.org. Father, this is a good day where we're celebrating great things as a church, where we're showing that in the midst of the chaos that surrounds us, in, our, in the world we're in, in the city that we live in, that we can come together fix, fixated and focused on Jesus together. That we can commit together as we raise families and celebrate the gift of life as you give it and the breath in our lungs. That we can celebrate as we see people growing and maturing in faith. And also as we see um, people doing what they need to to be, uh, to be trained and fit for ministry. These are good things, Lord. And so we thank you that for these kinds of moments when we can celebrate, we also know that there's heartache on this weekend and that we're carrying different burdens through the week and as we come through this weekend and on Mother's Day weekend in particular, it's difficult. And so we pray that you would bring comfort and strength to those who are hurt and weak. And as we turn to your word today, we pray that, that you would speak to us that there would be something that, that we walk through, a passage that is read that would spark something within us that we see you and more beautifully than we have before. And so we pray that your spirit would come and soften our hearts. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, so today is also a little different for the sermon. Um, we've been walking in a series in the Gospel of John for some time now, and we are pausing that today um, because this is my last Sunday here before I head out on a sabbatical. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my kids are clapping. <laughs> um, I've never had a three-month sabbatical. I've been in some kind of formal ministry role for 24 years, and so um, this is, is a unique opportunity, and we are kind of overwhelmed by the generosity of it and the generosity of this church for it. Um, and so over the summer, one of the things I wanted to be able to help you to see is that me going on sabbatical does not mean that Redemption Hill Church stops. <laughs> Because the church is not dependent on me or any other individual, leader, or anybody else. The church looks to Christ first and foremost. And so this summer, we've got an exciting summer planned for you. And my hope today is to lay a foundation for that, that you'll be able to understand where we're going and you'd be excited for it. And so the whole theme of, of my sabbatical that was built by a team of members of Redemption Hill Church is we had to build a proposal and received a grant for it. And the theme for our church in the coming year is we're going to look at roots and fruit. How do we deepen our roots in understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ and understanding God's word and our rootedness in this city so that we can see fruitful ministry that can be sustained for in the long run? And so that's what our hope is. And we'll be doing that with a particular focus on Redemption Hill Church. And so today sets the table for that as we look ahead together. And so this is in some ways... I guess as your pastor, this is my hope and my heart for our church, not just while I'm out on sabbatical, but, but as we look to the days ahead. 
Uh, so as we do that, we're going to hit a whole bunch of passages in Scripture today um, that kind of trace this theme of root, rootedness and fruitfulness throughout Scripture. And so as we do that, every passage is going to hit the screen. If you would like to flip to it, you can, um, but I'm going to move kind of quickly through them. And so we begin by reading 1 Corinthians. This is our, our core text today. It comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a church that he had planted, and he was looking back to it, and the church was, was caught up in names and teachers and dividing over who they listened to and what theologians they followed. And, and these are things that still impact every church today. Maybe not pastors and theologians, maybe it could be that, but it could be any number of things. It could be political party. It could, there are all kinds of things that divide us, and we say, this is me, I am of this person or this stream. And so he says here, particularly about pastors or in church planters, people that had invested into this church, he says in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, as we look at Roots and Fruit, um, three of my hopes for our church as we look ahead. First, Deeper rootedness. Probably should have seen that coming, right? (laughs) This is my hope, is deeper rootedness in the gospel, in God's word. Because as Paul said to the church in Corinth, he was saying, like, listen, Paul and Apollos, Paul planted the church, and Apollos came in and nurtured that and helped people grow in their faith. He was helped along by Priscilla and Aquila to straighten out some of his theology, and he was a brilliant communicator. Both were used by God in that place. And so Paul is saying, listen, all we do is we're servants, We came into the place and planted the seeds of the gospel in dark soil in Corinth, and praise God, people came to faith, and that grew to be a church, but it's only God who gives that growth. And so you could say similarly here that we moved, you know, Redemption Hill Church was planted, and the work started about 12 years ago, but but we're coming up on our 11th anniversary this August, and so the seeds of the gospel were planted here on Capitol Hill. And then it started to grow as people came and were a part of this church and came to faith, and praise God, it has grown to be a church. But only God gives that growth. Any of the rest of us that serve the church are doing exactly that. We serve the church, and so whether we plant or water, who cares? God gives the growth. And so what we're going to talk about is how do we plant and water and and try to cultivate those deep roots, understanding that we are reliant completely on God for the results. So with that, this is something we do see throughout Scripture, this this idea of this agricultural metaphor for the people of God is everywhere. You find it in Isaiah. You find it, actually, you can go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. But we're going to stop in first in Psalm chapter 1. This begins, we're going to begin on an individual level. What does it mean for us to have a rootedness in God's word and in what he is doing as individuals? And so it says, this is how the book of Psalms begins. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So this is where it begins. That to, to walk in and to become rooted in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, that that will make it so that we as individuals are, the image here, like trees that are planted by streams of water so that we can prosper because our roots have a good source of nourishment to be able to grow deeper and deeper. This is when Jesus says to the, to the Samaritan woman at the well, as we saw in John chapter 4, that when he said to her, you, I have living water to give to you, that, that if, if you drink of this water, it will become a spring welling up within you, a spring of life. And so Jesus, we have this rootedness that we are called to as individuals. And, and then Jesus says in John chapter 15 that we haven't gotten to yet in our series, he has this image that he uses, and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone does not abide in me, he can bear no fruit. And so if we want to be fruitful in our lives, we need to be tapped into a nourishing root system of Christ. Now, this is, for those of you who aren't Christians, this is the beauty of what God has done for us through Jesus, is that he has made it possible for us when we have roots that reach toward all kinds of, of wells that run dry, that we have an ability to have life-giving nourishment through God's word, through what we have in scripture, and that Christ has made a way for us to be connected to God himself, and so that we can be reliant on his fruitfulness, and it frees us from the pressure of trying to do it all on our own. If we're rooted in Christ, then we're also told that our, our citizenship is another image that gets used is in a new kingdom, and we will experience the world as exiles. And so this is one of the things that is a stunning passage that we're going to go to Jeremiah 29 now. Now, in this passage, it's not as direct as what I just read in Psalm 1, but now the setting here is that, that God's people were in exile. And so God was, this was a letter to his people in exile, and, and it's fascinating how it starts because God claims the credit for it, which you wouldn't expect to do. He says, I sent you to this place. And so there were prophets that were coming in in the time of Jeremiah and telling those in exile, listen, the, the yoke is broken and God's going to act and you're going home soon, and this is God's response to that. As he says, thus says the Lord the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For this says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, don't let your prophets and your diviners who, among, or who are among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. 
I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed, I will visit you. So God is saying, don't listen to these false prophets. It's going to be 70 more years in exile. And he says then, I will visit you and fulfill my promise to bring you back to this place. Here's a well-known verse that often gets torn out of context. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. What is the future and hope for his people? That they will call, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I know that's a long section, but, but listen to this. God's message to his people in exile is become more deeply rooted in Babylon. He, they had false prophets that were saying, all right, this is going to happen. God is going to judge this evil nation, and we are going to be brought home because that is what God has promised. And, and God's word comes through Jeremiah to say, slow down. The reason this gets important for us is because Peter picks up this imagery in 1 Peter and says and calls the, all those who follow Jesus, he says, you are sojourners in exile. So as you are that, live life so well that the nations turn on the day of God's visitation. And so this is the calling of Christians and the way that we are to understand who we are in this world is that no matter where you live, as long as you are in this world, you are a sojourner in an exile here. But our response to that could be to pull back and say, all right, I'm just going to sit back then and wait for God to judge the wickedness that's around me. But that's not what he calls his people to. Instead, he says, all right, you're going to be there for 70 years. Most of the people receiving this letter would not live to see the 70 years end. And what does he, what does he call them to? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens eat their produce, have your kids get married so that they can have kids. You see, what, what God calls his people to is, is what he calls people to at the very beginning. This is the creation mandate just applied again, saying say, when God said, hey, I've given you this place. And so God had formed what was empty, or formed what was shapeless and filled what was empty, and he, he cultivated a garden and said, okay, this is your responsibility now, so care for this place, cultivate this place, and be fruitful and multiply and fill this place. And so it's the same calling that's given to those in exile in Babylon, cultivate this place. You are put in a place for a reason. Do what is good for the city, even if the city stands against you, because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is what God calls us to no matter where we are. And that extends to us here and now in D.C. Our call is, to, yes, to become more rooted in the word of God, to become more rooted in Christ and his gospel, and to become more rooted where God has put us. And that's true. I mean, some of you might now might be dismissing some of that because you're like, well, I'm an intern, and I'm here for week six out of 12. Great. You have six weeks to cultivate your rootedness in this city. You might have a move date in mind. Great. Until then, God has placed you here. Don't live with a plan B. And some of you have laid down roots in this place and, and invested yourselves into this place, and you are working to, for the good of the city and to, to be a part of what's happening in God's work here, and praise God for that. This is something we can't lose focus of, though, because it's, it's, it's hard to live here. It's expensive to live here. And 
like a lot of you are, are kind of displaced. Your, your family isn't around the area. Some of you have your family in the area, but, but it's not an easy place to live. And yet, while we're here, however long we're here, whether it's your lifetime or another three months, we can take the opportunity to become more rooted here and seek the welfare of this city. And what is God's promise? The same promise comes to us now. He knows what he has for us, that, that we can call on him and pray to him, and he will hear us. That we can seek God and find him when we seek him with all our hearts. And so that in the end, we have an inheritance in the kingdom of light, and God will bring us safely home. And so this is a vision for the rootedness of God's people wherever we are placed. And the hope then is that we move second to greater fruitfulness. Again, this is not a very difficult sermon to discern where it's going. <laughs> and so the reason we deepen roots is because we want to see fruitfulness in what we do, knowing that only God can give the growth. Jesus taught in this, about these things often. He, he taught about this in the parable of the sower when he said to them, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when, they, when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the reality every time we gather on a Sunday, every time you're together in a community group, any time we have the ability and the opportunity to speak or read God's word to each other, to remind people of the gospel, whether, whether you're Christian or not, is that that is an opportunity for us to sow the seeds of God's word into the city and into people's lives. And, and I think at times we get freaked out by that. Again, we've done some congregational survey stuff, is working with this group, Sacred Spaces, and, and it, that shows what I already know as a pastor is that evangelism is really kind of difficult, and it can be intimidating, it can be scary to speak the gospel outwardly. But do you notice here that the sower, the one sowing the seed, is pretty indiscriminate, right? I know we don't get that opportunity. Like, if, you, if you're into gardening and you live in D.C., that means you have, like, a pot, that you grow a tomato plant in, right? You're like, this is the 12 inches of soil that might grow something. So you have to be very careful about where you place the seeds, and you probably just buy the little plants from Fragers anyway. But what this is talking about is a sower in a field. He didn't have time to stop and place gently every seed. He was sowing the seed, scattering it out, and some of it didn't make it. Some of it fell on the hard path, and it didn't go anywhere. It was devoured because birds came in. That's true, is we have the opportunity to sow the seeds of the gospel and to speak God's word, is there are times when there will be zero response because it will, it will be eaten away and there, there's, it, the ground is too hard and people's hearts are too hard. It, there's times when, when suffering shows the depth of our faith and, the, and the, the heat of suffering can scorch it. There's times when the, the anxieties and pressures and desires we have for the things around us will choke out the seed of the gospel, but... The hope is that some of the seed will fall on good soil and become deeply rooted, and then we will see its fruitfulness. 
And so in our own lives, this is what we need to be working toward, is working to ask God to cultivate a a fertility of soil within our hearts that the seeds of his word can sink ever more deeply into it for the sake of fruitfulness in our lives. In our church, that we would be part of the same, that God would use our church to till up the hard soil around us, that the word of God might become more deeply rooted in people's lives in this place. After all, the fruit of our lives shows something of our lives. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he said, "Beware!" I'm just going to skip to the end. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So this is one place where Jesus says this in a, in a few places. That, that How do you recognize what's really happening inside someone's lives? How do you recognize a good teacher from a false teacher in God's kingdom? Look at the fruit that you see. Church, this is a reality for us. We can say we're about anything we want. We can say that we're all about the gospel being at the center of our worship and shaping our church community and driving us into good work into our city on mission. Yes and amen. I, that is what I see in our church, and we need to continue. And we can say, like, what we are about, what shapes us as a church, is uh, this commitment to hospitality and to oneness without sameness in our unity and diversity and, and empowering members so that we can see the spirit move through the church. I want, I want to see all of those things, but, but we can put those things down on paper, teach through them in foundations class. You just got like a third of the class, by the way, um, <laughs> in three minutes. Um, we can talk about all those things, but, but talking about it doesn't mean a thing. The question is, does the fruit of our lives, does the fruit of Redemption Hill Church reflect those things? Do people see that and see the combination of of the truth of God's gospel and the beauty of it through us? That's my prayer. And the fruit is not hard to identify. I think we get into this sometimes too. We wonder, like, how do we know that we're growing in our faith? How do we know if we have fruitfulness in our lives? We, most of us, I feel like especially in this town, there tends to be a little bit more on the high achievement scale here. And so we get, I get this sometimes where I'll sit down, like, to meet with somebody as a pastor, and I'll have a, they'll have a bullet-pointed list of the, of the questions they want to ask me, which, praise God for that. If you do that, it makes it much clearer. <laughs> but we want to know, like, what have I done this year? Have I done enough this year? What, am I, what are the evidences? How can I, what is like the checklist to know that I'm getting closer to Christ, that I'm growing in faith? What does it mean to grow in faith? And, and so we get kind of linear in our thinking that way when we've been given the evidence, what we should look for is the evidence or fruit of our lives clearly in scripture. We already heard it prayed over Pastor Eric today. The fruit of the spirit. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, then this is the fruit it will bear. And notice it's singular, the fruit. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. So it's not like you can say, well, I like love, but I'm not really gentle. No, 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 no. If the Spirit is moving, if the Spirit of God is moving in your life and in our church, this is what it'll look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also 
keep in step with the Spirit. So this is what it looks like. The question is, does your life look more loving, joyful, peace-filled, and peacemaking, patient, kind, good, faithful, and on? Are those things bleeding out of us as a church family as we pursue Jesus together? It'll never be perfectly, but is this the kind of fruit that we see? Because Jesus does call us not just to sit back, but, it, but in that, if we lose that fruit of the Spirit, then like truth without grace, truth, if we have tr- all the truth without that fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and, and patience, then, then that's, that's an ugly kind of religion that will make, leave people wounded and hurt because it's like drive-by slams with the Bible in the face rather than inviting and entreating people into a loving family. But Jesus does tell us to, that, to pursue fruitfulness as we're rooted in him. And he said to the disciples in Matthew 28, the last thing in Matthew's gospel, as he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, that's a big task, right? Because none of us can go and change somebody's heart, so how do we make somebody a disciple? Yes, we can baptize people, but we can't make somebody's heart change and come to belief in Jesus. Yes, we can teach all that Jesus has commanded us to observe, but we can't change people's hearts to desire that and to long for that. But do you see how it ends? And behold, I am with you always. Till when, church? Till the end of the age. So yeah, go and do these things, and we have a guarantee that some will follow Jesus. We have a guarantee that some will come to faith and be baptized, and that, that, we, that people's hearts will burn within them, yearn for the, the opportunity to step into greater obedience and to observe what Christ has given us. Why? Not because we're so great, but because as we continue to sow seeds, Jesus is with us to the end of the age, and we can trust that he will bring the growth. In Mark chapter 12, he goes on then, and he was asked then by a scribe, which he gets nailed by in this in a few of the Gospels, and, and they're trying to catch him a little bit, and, and, Jesus, and they asked, like, well, of all the commandments, and there were 613 in the Torah, was how rabbis counted them, that's a lot of commandments to keep track of. And so a scribe came to him and said, okay, which one is the most important of all? So Jesus said, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And before they could answer, Jesus said, by the way, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. So we need to keep this in mind, that as a church, we are called to great commission, to be unapologetically about Jesus, to be unapologetically about the advance of his kingdom and seeing people come into relationship with him and into his kingdom, and we are called to be, to be wholehearted and whole self in love with God. Like it's, our, our faith is not just cognitive. We are not just brains on sticks. God, God wants our hearts and our love that is fully committed and devoted to him, and then to love the people around us self-sacrificially to love our neighbor as, as ourselves. And we know that in Luke's gospel, the immediate response was, was, well, who's my neighbor? 
This is the question that most Christians continue to ask today. Because we know there's a call to love our neighbor as ourselves, but then we have in mind, like, well, not that neighbor. Surely this person is an enemy of God, because I disagree with them on this issue. So I, they're outside of that call, right? And that's when Jesus said to those who were hearing, he cut right to the heart of racial division in that community and said, okay, let me tell you a story about a Samaritan that shows how we actually should love. Whenever we let this world's categories and kingdoms define and divide who we believe God can work in and through, we are not trusting that God can actually bring fruit as we sow the seeds of the gospel. All right, so my hope for us as a church is that we'd have deeper roots, that we'd have greater fruitfulness, and then I want to lay out some, some thoughts about the roots and fruit in the days ahead. And so what's going to happen this summer? What are we looking at this next year as a church? There is a reality right now that is, is hard for us to admit um, as it feels like things are opening up and getting somewhat back to normal. We've been through a couple of years of pandemic, and I know it's not over, um, but this is... It, I think right now there, there's, there's a general, kind of a general discontent that a lot of us are carrying. Because we, we have this kind of expectation that, that, okay, we're coming through it, and now things should be like they were. It should snap back to something like it was before. And so we have all these expectations, but the reality is the last two years have changed us. They've changed every one of us. They've changed us as individuals. No person is, is, is exempt from that. They've changed our neighborhoods. We've had people move in and out, and they've changed the makeup of the neighborhoods. They've changed our workplaces. I mean, how many of you are still working fully remotely or in some kind of hybrid at this point? And, and so it's changed our workplaces, likely for a very long time, if not for good. It's changed our church. Our church has walked through something together. Some people have moved or left. We have others of you that have come. Like, the church has changed. And so we have these expectations that life will, like, snap back to normal at some point, but th that expectation will crush us if we fixate on it. You're different than you were two years ago. So am I. And so at some point, we need to be able to acknowledge what we've been through, to be able to mourn and lament what has been lost and also to begin to look ahead, knowing that God is not, has not just stopped, but he is continuing. The, the pandemic wasn't a surprise to him. And so he's continuing to work in and through and among his people. And so one of the passages that was given to me by a couple of the members here that is something I'm clinging to right now, and I want to share with you this morning, that I'm hoping can help define some things for us in the days and months ahead, is from Isaiah chapter 43 where it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the, de in the wilderness, rivers in the, desert, in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. I want you to hear this again. 
Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I don't think God is saying we can forget the pandemic, forget some of the things we've walked through, but he's saying fix your focus elsewhere. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. If you feel dried out and parched right now, you're not alone in that. But God can give you living water to drink. He can provide the nourishment that you need for your soul. And so you can rest in that. And as a church, we have the privilege and opportunity to look ahead to whatever God may do next. The question is, he says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? Are you catching it? And so let's, as a church, look ahead to wherever he might lead us and where, however he might bring water and rivers to the desert that we could drink deeply together as, as our church. So this summer, my family is, is stepping out for a few months on sabbatical, as I mentioned at the top. Um, we have been a little overwhelmed, not a little, I have been completely overwhelmed by the excitement that you as a church have for us to do this. Because I'm like, you, you know I'm going to be gone, right? And you know that, like, this is, like, are you sure? <laughs> and it's been overwhelming. Um, and it would not have been possible without Redemption Hills members leading the way to it. And so thank you. Uh, my hope when we return is that we'll be refreshed, that we'll be ready to lead the way into the days ahead, trusting that the same God who called Abraham to a place he would show him later will, will continue to lead and guide Redemption Hill Church as we pursue Christ together. And in the coming year, we're going to explore what it'll take to become more deeply rooted here in this place and to take steps as God leads us, praying that as we plant and as we water, God will give the growth. I want to give you a preview of the summer series that we have ahead. And so um, we have an incredible series ahead. I actually have some pretty bad FOMO about this um, because I'm bringing in some of my favorite people and pastors to preach, um, and, and we won't be here for it. Uh, but... In this, I want to encourage you again, the lead pastor of the church being away is no reason to, to disengage or step back yourselves. We want you to be able to continue to come and be fed and to enjoy hearing God's word together. And as a reminder, if you're traveling over the summer and you come back on a weekend, we have a 5 p.m. service that you can come back to. And so you won't want to miss these. Um, about half the Sundays are going to be taught and preached by Pastor Eric and Pastor Rich as they're going to come up and they will be really talking about some of the foundations and the roots of Redemption Hill and, and what we are rooted in as a church. And so next week, Pastor Rich kicks it off by talking about gospel-centered worship and what, what we do as we worship together and you won't want to miss that. We also have a number of guest preachers coming in that you can see in front of you. And we have Alejandro Mendez, Alex, who is the executive director of the EFCA's All People Ministry, he just released a book called Embracing the New Samaria, Opening Our Eyes to a, Our Multi-Ethnic Future. And so he's coming in to preach two Sundays, the last two Sundays of May, on embracing others and how diversity is a, a force multiplier. We have Pastor Andrew Elder, who is a church planter. We, support, we have helped start two churches in Belfast. 
and he leads Village South, the newest of the two, um, and he's going to come out, and he, first of all, looks like the quintessential Northern Irishman. Um, we tease him every time we get to Christmas that he is Yukon Cornelius in, uh, in Rudolph. Um, <laughs> But he also sounds like the quintessential Northern. He grew up in Ballymena, just outside of Belfast. You won't want to miss Andrew. He's coming in to preach on multiplication for mission. We have Cedric Brown coming in. Cedric is the lead pastor of Commitment Community Church in Lindenwald, New Jersey, and he's the superintendent of the EFCA East, our district, and he's coming in to preach on discipleship in community. Michael Martin is incredible. You can't miss Michael. He's just up the road in Baltimore at Still Meadow Community Church as the pastor there. He's going to preach on evangelism and gospel witness. Um, Doug Logan is the vice president of advancement at Acts 29 and the president of Grimke Seminary. He's coming in to preach on seeing the beauty in the city. And John Parks is also a preacher at Village East Belfast. He's coming in to preach on the importance of the local church in our spiritual formation. So we have an incredible summer ahead, and this is what is ahead for us. And Redemption Hill, one of the great privileges of my life is the opportunity to serve as your pastor, to walk alongside you in the high points and in the valleys, and there have been a lot of valleys over the last couple of years. It's, it, it is a joy to me to be able to open up God's word with you every week. This is the, one of the things that I look forward to most in my week. And so this is a needed opportunity to step back and get rested and refreshed and be more fully present with my wife and my kids, to make memories as a family and to seek God on what is ahead in the next season of our church. And it's going to be tough to not be here for the next three months. I, I really, it's going to be hard, but it's a good thing overall. Um, our staff and leadership teams are stronger than ever, and so you're, you're in very capable hands. And so as we look to the year ahead... Let's commit together to dig more deeply into God's word, being more deeply rooted in Christ himself, more deeply rooted in the city that he has called us to, so that we might see the spirit of God move as we plant seeds and water seeds that God will give the growth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your work in this church and for other churches throughout the city and throughout this metro area. I thank you that we have the promise from Christ that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you that we have the promise that we can plant and water and do what we can to cultivate the soil of people's hearts and the soil of the city for its good and then trust that you can bring the growth from the hard work we do. We pray that you would help us to see and to embrace the different seasons that we hit as, as people and as a church, that, that we would know when it's, when it's time for us to, to take a, a holy nap, that we would know when it's time to step out in faith, and that you would give us a love for being together so that we can raise our voices and worship you, declaring the good ways that you have brought water to the wilderness and rivers to the desert. And so would you nourish our parched hearts today, we pray. I pray today, too, that as your word was read, that that seed would fall on fertile soil. I pray that 
that for those here who, who aren't walking with you but are feeling some kind of tug deep inside of their hearts, that you would give the confidence and the boldness to step forward and embrace Christ. And so, Father, as we continue to sing and worship and lift our voices together and hear the voices of others lifted up around us, we pray that you would continue to, to work within us as we go from this place, that you would, you would give us eyes to see what you see in the people around us and in this city. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.